Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint, and I'm so glad today to have Jamie Wilkerson alongside. Jamie, how are you? I'm doing good. So would you say you're a person who likes that summertime thing better than the cold winter thing, or you like everything? You know what? I love all seasons, but because we're in the Midwest, we get to experience all four. I would say, though, fall is my favorite. You're on your way out of a hot summer into a beautiful fall, we pray. And uh, as we're thinking about the weather and thinking about life, I've been thinking about human flourishing. Have you ever thought about that term? Have you heard that phrase before? I have. I have heard it. All right. We're going to talk about human flourishing. Jamie, as I'm watching the world unfold around me, I'm thinking it's kind of a, a messed up place. It just seems that way. I mean, I, I know that the world has problems all the time, but in this season of the pandemic, when there are still so many questions about this virus and how it impacts us, and then that's prompted, of course, all kinds of economic fallout. So the, the world around us, our economies and people's capacity to have jobs and earn a living and pay the rent and buy food and all that, it has been kind of thrown into the shadows. And, and then we have all these social justice dramas, and, mm. and legitimately so. I don't mean to diminish them by calling them a drama, but I mean, it's really dramatic the way in which the culture and the country have been riveted by some of the things that have happened on the streets of our cities. And, and as we just wrestle with all of these dynamics, I think, wow, is this the way the world was supposed to be? <laughs> and, then, and then, let me just tell you, I, I feel so guilty, but I've been wrestling with this infected root canal. <laughs> oh, I feel wow. guilty even mentioning it because in a world with so many big problems, mm -hmm. my little root canal seems like a small thing. But what I've learned is even if the world is on fire, if I hit my finger with a hammer, that pain kind of preoccupies me. And oh, yes. I've been struggling with uh, some root canal issues for a couple of weeks, and I'm going to the doctor after our conversation today to oh, hopefully wow. lay that to rest. Mm -hmm. All that to say, as my face was throbbing and my tooth was aching, I'm thinking, is this really it? Is this what life <laughs> is supposed to be like? And I know there are many people who have way greater health challenges than my root canal. I get that. But it's just as evidence that I want to flourish in life. I don't want to have to navigate all of these challenges without the hope of actually flourishing. What do you think? Uh, do you ever find yourself wanting to experience life more completely than you do? Yes, I have. And often I think about, I do a lot of self-inventories, and I'm often comparing myself with you know, people that I've read about in the Bible. And I am, you know, trying to pinpoint exactly where I am on that, I guess, that meter of happiness and contentment. Um, and I try to make sure that I'm I'm balanced in that area, that I'm have un, what I like to call unshakable peace and happiness so that, you know, no matter what's going on around me, I still can keep my joy or at least find my way back to it quickly. <laughs> I'm with you. Human flourishing has been defined as the good life. And when I hear people describe it that way, it seems a little bit tinny to me, like the good life, like that's kind of self-preoccupied. Uh, other people might describe it as being happy, 
And happy is a word that I like. Who doesn't like happy? But uh, still, it seems a little superficial, even though fundamentally we have big phrases in our history like the pursuit of happiness, like an inalienable right. And so that has a little more meat on the bone. It sounds more hefty, I guess, as an idea. But I think all of us want to experience life and flourish. Okay, so I've been traveling with my wife. Uh, During this pandemic, we haven't traveled at all, but we did uh, take a trip to visit two of our sons. And uh, we were gone from our house for some days, and we had a friend watch over our garden and water and so on. When we came back, my wife and I were just like astounded at the plants in our garden. The flowers have exploded, and everything is twice as tall as it was. And there's some ornamental grass that's suddenly like in a magazine. (laughs) So beautiful. (laughs) This is my yard. And I looked at it when I drove home, and I thought, I want to live like that. I want to flourish. I want to be able to understand myself as someone who's flourishing, like those flowers are in my garden. And how do we get there? Is it possible? I mean, in a world like this, is the world always going to be filled with misery? Well, you know, I think the world began in um, a place where we could flourish like in Eden. Eden. Now, there's a word. Uh, that is a word that has so much evocative imagery, doesn't it? Oh, when yeah. I say Garden of Eden, what do you see? I see luxury, <laughs> luxuriant plants. Um, I see lots, plenty, no shortage, no scarcity. I see, um, as you described your garden earlier, I just see, you know, just all of these plants and everything needed everything you need for life. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, tranquility. Anci- mm-hmm. the ancient story of Eden is just that. It's mm-hmm. a garden where everything is just perfect. Uh, I think we tend to think of Eden as a place where the weather is warm, maybe because they're not wearing any clothes there. <laughs> I don't know, but, <laughs> you know, it seems like the climate is just right and the mm-hmm. plants are just right and the people are just right. So humanity in the Garden of Eden, according to the ancient narrative, are in right relationship with everything. Think about this. So Adam and Eve are named in the Garden of Eden as the first people, and they're in right relationship to each other. Their relationship is completely in harmony. There's no dust-ups. There's no argument about whether what we're going to have for dinner tonight, or <laughs> you didn't uh, do this or do that, or there's no expectations unmet. This this is a relationship that is without flaw. I mean, wow, it's flourishing. And their relationship with their environment is perfect. There's no toxic waste zones. There's no landfill that's filled with chemicals that can harm them. There's There's no climate change where they're worried about what's going to happen next. Their relationship to their environment is perfect so that they can flourish. And their relationship to their maker, they have a sense that their their universe has been created and they're actually in an intimate relationship with the God of the universe and it's without flaw. It's completely open and transparent. I mean, there's no shame. There's no guilt. Everything is good. Wow. I mean, that's flourishing. And why that's important, Jamie, I'm so glad you brought that up is because that tells me that there has been a moment in human experience where flourishing came to life in ways that we long for but have not yet seen.
what about the kingdom of God and and Jesus? How does that fit into the whole idea of flourishing? I'm thinking that Jesus flourished. Now, we we understand the story of Jesus as a guy who did a lot of great things, and a lot of people had their lives transformed in good ways when he walked by, when they saw him, when they interacted with him, when they allowed him to intervene in the course of their lives. So we see that Jesus, but we also see the Jesus who uh, dies on a cross, uh, suffers a great deal before he ultimately rises from the dead and, and triumphs over all that. But I mean, it's a complex way of Jesus, and yet when I look at him and what I know about his life in this world, I'd say he flourished. He seemed to be completely at ease with his life. And even though he was in the same world I live in, which is post-Eden, where the weather isn't always right, where people aren't always right, where I'm not right, my world is sometimes upside down and I get a root canal. I mean, <laughs> even though he lived in that same world, he seemed to just glide above it. In other words, he, he experienced it, but he was complete. He was whole. He flourished. Yeah, what about that, Jamie? I think that's a great insight because I think that gives us a clue about how we might also pursue human flourishing in the here and now. You know, Jesus gave a Sermon on the Mount, and I believe that gives us some keys on how to live. I would say Jesus is a key to living life to its fullest and to flourish. You know, the word human flourishing, or or those two words put together, have a lot of traction these days. Actually, it's an ancient concept. goes all the way back to the ancient Greeks. Aristotle talked about this. Today, in in many places of learning and philosophy and even just forecasting economics and politics and so on, this concept of human flourishing is, is a thing. People talk about it. But I think Jesus actually wrote the book on human flourishing. And so... I think there is something there that we could unpack. I know that you love words. I do. Sure. I love looking up Jamie, words. Jamie, you love words. And and I'm guessing you've kind of done some homework on flourishing. Where does that come from? Yeah, so it's it comes from the Latin word floresco. And the primary sense is to open, to expand, enlarge, or to shoot out as in glory. And then it also means to thrive, to grow luxuriantly, to increase and enlarge as a healthy growing plant to be prosperous, to increase in wealth or honor. And it also means to grow in grace and in good works. And then the one of the references for that definition is Psalms 92, 7. It says the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. So it means to be in a prosperous state, to grow or be augmented. And I know you love Webster's Dictionary. I do. And, and you know, Webster's has been through several different editions. Oh, yes. But you love that one that goes back to 1928, where yes. they often use scriptures to help us understand the meaning of words. I do. And that's I what always you're use from. that one. Yeah. But it's so rich. And that brings us right back to your comment about Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount. He's given us in the Sermon on the Mount some keys to flourishing, mm-hmm. to live just like you described, this kind of luxuriant wholeness, even in a broken world. I have to say that I don't think this world is going to be made altogether right in the way Eden was until Jesus comes back. But in the meantime, we can live tasting more and more of human flourishing, and Jesus is the key, I think. (music) 
some of the great uh, thinkers of our time have been trying to define human flourishing and trying to find out what are the metrics of that. At Harvard University, they actually have a long-standing, ongoing project to define human flourishing, and they're working with Baylor University and the Gallup polling people to kind of survey the world to try and develop uh, kind of bench lines where people in so many different cultures and continents and languages and histories, how they experience human flourishing. But here are six big buckets that they've described as keys to human flourishing. So if if you want to measure it, they're saying you have to look at happiness and life satisfaction. Is a person happy and do they feel satisfied with their life? That's a way of measuring flourishing. Their mental and physical health, are they grounded? And is their mental health sound? Is their physical health prosperous and good? A third bucket is meaning and purpose. I think it's so interesting that they have determined that without having a sense of meaning or purpose, it's hard to actually flourish, no matter what your circumstances are. Fourthly, that there has to be some character and virtue In human flourishing, there has to be a sense of kind of a moral order, which is reflected in character and virtues. Fifth, close social relationships are a key to human flourishing because none of us can flourish in isolation. And then sixth, financial and material stability, because it's hard to flourish when you're worrying all the time about, will I have a place to sleep or will I have food to eat? Those six big things make sense to me, but what can I do right now to flourish. I mean, I can work on those things, but is there something inside of me first? Uh, This is where Jesus, I think, has the key. I believe one of the keys that Jesus gives us is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Wow. A key to human flourishing, God blesses those who are poor and acknowledge their need of him. It's a little counterintuitive, Jamie, but I think you're onto something here. The Sermon on the Mount, this great teaching of Jesus, has been recorded in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And in Matthew chapter 5, there's a whole series of thoughts that we call the Beatitudes. And uh, they start with this formula, God blesses those, or blessed are those, or happy are those. Uh, And then there's some explanation of what the characteristics are and what the outcomes will be. And you've just named right up front the first of the Beatitudes. God blesses those who are poor and acknowledge their need of him. Let's talk first about the word blessed. I mean, we sometimes think of a blessing as some kind of magic dust that you know we can sprinkle on somebody. And truth be told, be if, nice. you, if, you, if you bless someone with a word, you could just mm. you can make their world better by just speaking the power of blessing on them. I mean, I'm not quarreling with that, but I think there's something different or deeper in this. Uh, I was reading a, an essay by a guy named Trevin Wax, and, and he, he described blessing as, as not so much the magic dust approach, but actually a condition of being that happiness, fulfillment, satisfaction, wholeness in life is for those who are poor and acknowledge the need of God, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. This idea of blessed are those isn't necessarily, well, if you do this, you're going to get some kind of momentary magic dust. No, actually, there's a state of being here. If you experience what is described, you can have a flourishing state of being. So Jesus tells us that if we want to flourish, we need to be poor. 
and to acknowledge that we need God. That's just like opposite of what I think. I'm thinking I'll flourish more if I can just win that $25 million lottery. Don't you think that would be a key to flourishing? (laughs) Oh, yeah. But actually, it doesn't matter about our circumstances. You cannot flourish until the interior of your heart is set right. Flourishing can have a lot of impacts in the material world around us, but you have to start inside your heart, and that's what Jesus is emphasizing. And poverty is something that can be a key. That's so, again, counterintuitive, because if I'm impoverished, well, how could I be flourishing? There are all kinds of poverty, aren't there? Yes. I mean, give me some ideas. Well, you know what? I was thinking, as you were talking, I thought about what you shared earlier about your plants. And I was just thinking, you know, some people talk to their plants. I won't name (laughs) names. But I was thinking about how, you know, those plants just, you know, just use your imagination. If, If they had a personality, they may have been considered poor because their owners had left, you know, left and they weren't probably getting the the attention that they were used to getting. But Something that you said really struck me, um, but the conditions were right for them to flourish. And so I think that sometimes we think, you know, there has to be certain conditions, you know, everything has to be going right in the world. Right now, it just seems like everything is going wrong um, around us. But perhaps this can be, um, we can consider this a perfect condition for us to grow, to flourish. I think that you're, you're right on there. Uh, the conditions of flourishing sometimes are different than what we imagine. But what Jesus is telling us is when we understand our need, you're impoverished when you're needy. And I might be needy materially, and it might seem strange to think that that could be a help to my flourishing, but actually, if I understand my need, it can help me flourish. My need of God is what Jesus said. So if I'm materially poor, and it drives me to God, yes. I can start to flourish. Right. But I might not be materially poor. I might be emotionally poor. I might have a lot of broken places emotionally because of my life journey, what others have done, maybe poor choices I've made, whatever that is. But that means I react to moments or to others in unhealthy ways. That's a kind of poverty too. And if that drives me to know I need God, then that opens the door to flourishing. I might be in a physical health deficit where I'm impoverished because my health has compromised my ability to move about in this world in the way I'd like. And if that drives me to God, well, then the door for flourishing opens up. What Jesus is telling us is is if we'll just acknowledge our need, that none of us are in command of ourselves, none of us can make it by ourselves. We should not be proud, but humble instead. We should be dependent on God, not full of ourselves, that flourishing starts there. And that might change my economic status. That might change my emotional status. That might change my physical status. Mm -hmm. But it starts with my sense of poverty and my need of God. I don't think it's possible to flourish unless we know we need God. And I think that takes us back to Eden, isn't it? Because in the story of Eden, Adam and Eve knew that all that they had was provided by the generous hand of God. The world in which they walked, the beauty of their landscape, the wonder of their relationship, the intimacy they could know are all consequent to the created order of a generous and loving God. They needed him. And it's when they stopped thinking they needed him for everything, the whole Eden began to unravel. We have to realize we need God for everything. 
Jamie, Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of God, and that's the promise he makes. People who are poor and acknowledge their need for God will inherit this kingdom of God. What do you think that means? You know, as I thought about um, the Lord's Prayer, it just kind of reminds me of that. And for me, having um, being poor in spirit, realizing my need for God causes me to pray in that way, asking for God's kingdom come, his will be done. And I think that it's kind of tied up into that when you are um, acknowledging your need for God and you are calling upon God for whatever assistance you need. It gives you an opportunity to experience God's kingdom, his dominion, his rule, his authority, his way of doing things so that you don't have to rely, as Proverbs talks about, trusting in the Lord with all your heart and not relying on your own understanding, but in everything, you know, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So when I am thinking about the kingdom of God, I am actually inviting God's rulership um, into my life. And because I need it, I, I, I realize that I cannot um, make it without him. And so that's what I think of when I... I want to live in a world where yes. he's the governor. Yes, exactly. Where he's the chief executive. I call him my CEO. That's like, right. That's, well, that's God perfect. is my CEO. And yeah. that's being in the kingdom. And we come into that kingdom when we acknowledge our need of God. Some of the most miserable people, the most opposite of flourishing I know, have a lot of money. And some of the most miserable people I've ever met may not have had a lot of money, but they had all the looks and charm, you know, film star quality, but they were not flourishing. Some of the people who are most desperate have many things, but I've never met anyone who understood their complete dependency on God who wasn't flourishing. And that's where we all need to be. Today, as you're listening to us, think about your own life and world. Where are you? Are you flourishing? In a world with so many broken places, we're not suggesting that you should just be isolated and self-focused on your own flourishing. No, we all need to be agents and instruments for change and to bring life into this world. But it has to start with change inside in who we are. And today, we want to invite you to start flourishing, to start putting yourself in a position where you can actually flourish as Jesus gave us the keys to do so. And let's start today by just acknowledging our poverty, that all of us need God and that we cannot flourish, we cannot make our way forward, and we cannot have any long-term fulfillment without Him. How do you do that? Start with us right now by praying. Just take a deep breath and pray with us. Dear Father in heaven, we're so thankful today that you have given us life, each of us. We're thankful for every person that's joined us in this prayer today, everyone who's listening, and we know that you're listening. We thank you that you are. And Lord, we want to acknowledge today our own poverty. I know that there are some of us who may not know how we're going to make ends meet materially. During these pandemic days, we may have lost a job or an income stream. Perhaps we're burdened by debt. Maybe we've had some unfortunate circumstances that have robbed us of our capacity to just have any money with which to go to the supermarket. Whatever it is, Lord, I know there are people who may be impoverished listening to us today financially. There may be some who know how to go to the supermarket and have money to buy, but, but they still feel miserable because their emotions are impoverished, or maybe their relationships are impoverished, or maybe their hopes and dreams are impoverished. They don't have any. 
Whatever it is, Lord, in our lives right now, all of us need to acknowledge without you, we cannot flourish. We need you to provide for us materially and to empower us to find ways to buy food and to find shelter that even though we think we're earning that, we know it's your gift to us to earn. We need to depend on you. We need you, Lord, to sort out our emotions and our relationships, which are so often broken. We need you, Lord, to give us hopes and dreams and to see ourselves and others the way you do. We can't do it by ourselves, Lord. We're impoverished, we're poor, we're poor in spirit, and we long to be in a world where you are our CEO and you order our steps. Lord, we surrender our lives to you. We admit our need and we ask your forgiveness for being so full of ourselves. And we pray that we might depend upon you in this week to come. And I'm asking, Lord, that every person who is joining us in this prayer and who is surrendering their lives now into the hand of Jesus, who gave us this word, will find in this next week some moments of true flourishing so that they will hunger and crave for more. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more about how you can flourish, if you'd like to know more about Jesus, who has given us so much wisdom and power to flourish, just give us a call. Dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're by the phone. So ready to hear from you. But Jamie, I know some people won't pick up the phone, but they might check us out online. What's our web address? Our web address is www.cbhviewpoint.org. That's CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are. CBHviewpoint.org. Read about the ministry there and send us an email. We'll be glad to reply. You may be actually accessing this conversation on social media already. And if you are, just send us a note in the comment feed. We're watching that too. And we'll get back to you. Or at the last, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, leave a post in a social media feed, or use the post, let us hear from you this week. You know what, Jamie? The space around me always looks a little brighter. It's a little more flourishing when you're in the room. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. It's so good to be here. And we're so glad that you joined us also listening. For all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast and our podcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.